0: Greetings in our Lord Jesus Christ and welcome to Christ Church of Livingston County Teaching Ministry. Christ Church is a member of the Communion of Reformed Evangelical Churches, Tyndale Presbytery. The following audio recording is from a Covenant Renewal Liturgy at Christ Church. We trust you will be edified and ministered to by the Holy Spirit through this audio recording.
1: Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be grieved and distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me. And he went a little beyond them and fell on his face and prayed, saying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will But as you will, and he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, so you men cannot keep watch with me for one hour. Keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away yet again a second time and prayed, saying, my father, if this cannot pass away unless I drink it, your will be done And again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them again and went away and prayed a third time, saying the same thing once more. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up, let us go. Behold, the one who betrays me is at hand. While he
2: was still speaking, Judas came one of the twelve, and with him a great crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had given them a sign, saying, The one I will kiss is the man. Seize him. And he came up to Jesus at once and said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. Jesus said to him, Friend, do what you came to do. Then they came up and laid hands on Jesus and seized him. And behold, One of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Then Jesus said to him, Put your sword back into its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my Father, and he will at once send me more than twelve legions of angels? But how then should the scriptures be fulfilled that it must be so? At that hour Jesus said to the crowds, Have you come out against... Come out as against a robber, with swords and clubs to capture me. Day after day I sat in the temple teaching, and you did not seize me. But all this has taken place, that the scriptures and the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples left him and fled. Then those who had seized Jesus led him to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders had gathered. And Peter was following him at a distance, as far as the courtyard of the high priest. And going inside, he sat with the guards to see the end. Now the chief priests and the whole council were seeking false testimony against Jesus that they might put him to death, but they found none, though many false witnesses came forward. At last, two came forward and said, This man said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to rebuild it in three days. And the high priest stood up and said, Have you no answer to make? What is it that these men testify against you? But Jesus remained silent. And the high priest said to him, I adjure you by the living God. Tell us, if you are this Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said to him, You have said so, but I tell you, from now on, you will see the Son of Man seated on the right hand of power and coming on clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his robes and said, He has uttered blasphemy. What is your judgment? They answered him, He deserves death. Then they spit in his face and struck him, and some slapped him, saying, Prophesy to us, you Christ, Who was it that struck you? Now, Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came up to him and said, You were also with Jesus, the Galilean. But he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you mean. And when he went out to the entrance, another servant girl saw him, and she said to the bystanders, This man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again, he denied it with an oath, I do not know the man. After a little while, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, Certainly, you two are one of them, for your accent betrays you. Then he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I did not know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the saying of Jesus, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly.
3: When day came, the assembly of the elders and the people gathered together, both chief priests and scribes, and they led him away to their council, and they said, If you are the Christ, tell us. But he said to them, If I tell you, you will not believe. And if I ask you, you will not answer. But from now on the Son of Man shall be seated at the right hand of the power of God. So they all said, Are you the Son of God then? And he said to them, You say that I am. Then they said, What further testimony do we need? We have heard it ourselves from his own lips. Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not of this world. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? And after he said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him.
4: But they were the more fierce, saying, He stirs up the people, teaching throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee to this place. When Pilate heard of Galilee, he asked if the man were a Galilean. And as soon as he knew that he had belonged to Herod's jurisdiction... He sent him to Herod, who was also in Jerusalem at that time. Now when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceedingly glad, for he had desired for a long time to see him, because he had heard many things about him, and he hoped to see some miracle done by him. Then he questioned him with many words, but he answered him nothing. And the chief priests and scribes stood and vehemently accused him. Then Herod, with his men of war, treated him with contempt and mocked him, arrayed him in a gorgeous robe, and sent him back to Pilate. That very day, Pilate and Herod became friends with each other, for previously they had been at enmity with each other. Then Pilate, when he had called together the chief priests, the rulers, and the people, said to them, You have brought this man to me as one who misleads the people, and indeed, having examined him in your presence, I have found no fault in this man concerning those things of which you accuse him. No, neither did Herod, for I send you back to him and indeed nothing deserving of death has been done by him I will therefore chastise him and release him
5: Now at the feast of the governor was a now at the feast the governor was accustomed to releasing to the multitude one prisoner whom they wished and at that time they had a notorious prisoner named called Barabbas Therefore when they had gathered together Pilate said to them whom do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? For he knew that they had handed him over because of envy. While they were sitting on the, while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent to him saying, have nothing to do with that just man, for I have suffered many things today in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and elders persuaded the multitudes that they should ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor answered and said to them, which of the two do you want me to release to you? They said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, what then shall I do with Jesus, who is called Christ? They all said to him, let him be crucified. Then the governor said, why, what evil has he done? And they cried out all the more, saying, let him be crucified. When Pilate saw that he could not prevail at all, but rather that a tumult was was rising, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. You see to it. And all the people answered and said, His blood be on us and on our children. Then he released Barabbas to them, and when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him, To be crucified. So then Pilate took Jesus and scourged him, and the soldiers twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put on him a purple robe. Then they said, Hail, King of the Jews! and they struck him with their hands. Pilate then went out again and said to them, Behold, I am bringing him out to you that you may know that I find no fault in him. Then Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate said to them, behold the man. Therefore, when the chief priests and officers saw him, they cried out saying, crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, you take him and crucify him for I find no fault in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to our law, he ought to die because he made himself out the son of God. Therefore, when Pilate heard that saying, he was the more afraid and went again into the praetorium and said to Jesus, where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. Then Pilate said to him, are you not speaking to me? Do you not know that I have authority to crucify you and authority to release you? Jesus answered, You could have no power at all against me unless it had been given to you from above. Therefore, the one who delivered me to you has the greater sin. From then on, Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried out, saying, If you let this man go, you are not Caesar's friend. Whoever makes himself a king speaks against Caesar. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus out and sat down in the judgment seat in the place that is called the pavement, but in Hebrew, Gabbatha. Now it was the preparation day of the Passover, about the sixth hour. And he said to the Jews, behold your king. But they cried out, away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, we have no king but Caesar. Then he delivered him to them to be crucified and they took Jesus and led him away.
0: And they compelled a passerby, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to carry his cross. And they brought him, And with him, they crucified two robbers, one on his right and one on his left. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clophas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold, your mother. And from that hour the disciple took her to his own home.
6: One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do not fear, God. Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due rewards for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me, when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. And now, from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It was now about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, while the sun's light failed, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit.
7: After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook. And the rocks were split. The tombs also were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. When the centurion and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, Truly this was the Son. And again, another scripture says, They will look on him whom they have pierced.
8: Now, behold, there was a man named Joseph, a council member, a good and just man. He had not consented to their decision, indeed. He was from Arimathea, a city of the Jews, who himself was also waiting for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down, wrapped it in linen, and laid it in a tomb that was hewn out of the rock, where no one had ever lain before. That day was the preparation, and the Sabbath drew near. And the women who had come with him from Galilee followed after, and they observed the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and fragrant oils, and they rested on the Sabbath according to the commandment. And then Matthew 27. On the next day, which followed the day of preparation, the chief priests and Pharisees gathered together to Pilate, saying, Sir, we remember while he was still alive how that deceiver said, After three days I will rise. Therefore command that the tomb be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away and say to the people, He has risen from the dead. So the last deception will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, you have a guard, go your way. Make it as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure, sealing the stone and
9: setting the guard.
8: Just a brief meditation on thorns and fruit. Didn't count how many times, but it was probably at least half a dozen in the readings and in the songs that we read of a crown of thorns on Jesus' head. It was three years ago, about this time of year, that the cathedral of Notre Dame burned. And one of the news items that came out of that that I found interesting was that they recovered a crown of thorns from the cathedral. I don't believe for a second that it was the actual crown of thorns on Jesus' head, but I found it interesting that the world's attention was drawn right about this time of year as, as Holy Week began to the crown of thorns. John 19.2, Pilate's soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. They came up to him saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and struck him with their hands. It's interesting to meditate on this. It's not comfortable. Pilate's soldiers were trained in toughness and brutality. They were professionally trained to know how to kill people or how to inflict maximum damage and suffering and keep them living. This was their job. They relished getting a prisoner who claimed to be the king of these Jews. They could then take out all of their frustration with being stationed in this hot, dusty place all their frustration with this religiously stubborn people on one person one body you thought you were going to drive us out of here take that and Jesus took such abuse for us part of that abusive mockery was a crown of thorns we think of thorns like on rose bushes right maybe half an inch long or so but there were varieties that grew in, in that land that are two, three inches long. The thorns. And they aren't just lightly placing this on his head. They're jamming it down. The point is to make it hurt, to make it bleed. My uh, family reminded me this afternoon that uh, when you get a gash on your head, your head bleeds more than the rest of your body usually because there's so much circulation going on there. The Part of the point was to make him lose as much blood as possible in a very visible part. Jesus takes this for us. When God ordered these events, he did not go easy on the physical suffering of his son. And he did this to show us that it was only a part of all that Jesus suffered when he took the curse and punishment for our sins. Galatians 3, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. The full weight of God's wrath, anger, and condemnation comes crashing down on Jesus, hanging on the cross. So think about thorns, and think about fruit and crowns. When God created the world, Psalm 8 says that He, was, he, that he crowned mankind with glory and honor. When we fell into sin, God cursed the ground with thorns and thistles that would arise. Jesus takes those thorns, that curse, literally upon his head for us. He took off the crown of glory that he had, and he let them put a painful, bloody crown of curse on him. He let his father curse him. The bad news is there had to be a punishment, a curse for the mess that we made for the sin, our sin against God. The good news is that Jesus took that curse for us. And when we trust his sacrifice for us, there is no punishment left from God for us. None at all. That's a point that sometimes we forget and we bring guilt back on ourselves now and then that we shouldn't. Jesus paid it all we are restored to do what we were made to do in the first place, bear fruit. We started in a fruitful garden, but sin left us fighting thorns. Jesus takes the thorns on his head, hangs on a barren tree, and that sacrifice, that trickle of blood from his pierced side becomes a river that restores fruitfulness. The crown of glory is promised again to us. Around God's throne in heaven, John sees in Revelation four, the elders sitting on thrones with golden crowns on their heads. The crown of glory that we lost in our sin, that Jesus willingly laid aside, replacing it with thorns. Because of this, our dignity and the rule we were supposed to have is re-established. That's the crown of thorns, and we see it put to song in Psalm twenty-two. In the first half, we see the thorny forsakenness of Christ's humiliation on the cross. He's scorned and despised verse six. He's mocked that because God isn't saving him, verse eight, strong bulls surround him, verse 12. Those are the Jewish rulers, the Roman soldiers. They pierced his hands and feet. They cast lots for his clothes. The picture is clear: God's Son bearing the scorn of those that he came to save. His body is pierced and broken as the sacrifice offered to God to pay the price for our sins. He's forsaken by God so that we would be accepted by God. But now I want to think about thorns and fruit. There's two ways to experience Good Friday. The first way is more of the tenebrae, which uh, relates to light and darkness. And what you do is you make the sanctuary darker and darker. We've done this a couple of times until Jesus is dead in the ground. And in some dramatic versions, you even slam the Bible shut loudly at the end to emphasize the closing of the tomb, the finality of Christ's death. We're struck by the pain, the darkness. That's, That's one way to experience Good Friday. Another way is to emphasize the goodness of Good Friday. We look at, both of these are fine, by the way. We, it's, it's good to think of it both ways. We look in hope, in the second way, to the hope of the benefits that the, cro- the cross brings to us. In the first way, we only read the first half of Psalm 22. We emphasize that life is not as it should be. We have times of darkness. We have times of darkness ourselves, uh, of feeling forsaken by God at the end of our rope. But this year I'm taking the the second way. We just read all of Psalm 22. And that second half doesn't get as much airtime as it should. You see it printed there in the bulletin. God, The one that God forsook at the end praises God among his people. And he's feasting. And he sees his posterity all around him, serving the Lord. Same psalm. Part of the goodness of Good Friday isn't just that it, it, it was good what we received at the cross, the benefits of that. But it's the goodness of Christ receiving the crown of glory again and saving us and, and Him being exalted to the right hand of God. That glory given back to Him. Such a, a huge amount of fruit uh, comes back, returns to Him because of the sacrifice that he made. So as you consider the crushing curse that Christ bore for you, remember it was a good Friday. All things work together for good for God's people, Romans 8 says. Especially a crucifixion and the worst travesty of justice ever. And we ought to apply that just briefly to our own lives, to our own culture. When you hear bad news of Christians treated unfairly, mocked, scorned, shot at, killed, when you go through crushing trials yourself, remember, Jesus suffered this kind of thing for us first. And we can read on in the story and know that God was good to him. It's Good Friday. Somehow God is being good to us it. I'm going to sing a song by Andrew Peterson in a minute. He's got a, another good song called Always Good. And, and the, my favorite line in it is he says, Somehow this sorrow is shaping my heart like it should. We don't know how, but we can look at the sorrow of the women of, of Peter and see that their hearts were shaped. They were shaped the way they should. If God could bring so much good out of this darkness at the cross, He can work powerfully in your life to save, to restore, to bring fruit where we see thorns now.
9: So they took his body down. This man who said he was the resurrection and the life was lifeless on the ground now. The sky was red as blood along the blade of night. As the Sabbath fell, they shrouded him in linen. They dressed him like a wound. The rich men and the women, they laid him in the tomb. Six days shall you labor. The seventh is the Lord's. In six he made the earth and all the heavens but He rested on the seventh. God rested. He said that it was finished and the seventh day He blessed it. God rested. So they laid their hopes away. They buried all their dreams about the kingdom he proclaimed, and they sealed them in the grave. As a holy silence fell on all Jerusalem, and the Pharisees were restless, Pilate had no peace, Peter's heart was reckless, Mary couldn't sleep, but God rested, six days shall you labor, the seventh is the Lord's. In six, he made the earth and all the heavens. But he rested on the seventh. God rested. He worked till it was finished. And the seventh day, he blessed it. He said that it was good. And the seventh day, he blessed it. God rested. The sun went down, the Sabbath faded, the holy day was done and all creation waited.
0: Thank you for listening to this audio recording from Christ Church of Livingston County. If you would like further information about anything in this recording, the Bible, about Christ Church of Livingston County, or wish to make any other related inquiry, please feel free to contact us through our website, Christkirkmi.com. That's C H R I S T K I R K M I.com. Again, thank you and blessings.